from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is the Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks. Welcome back to a Joy of Booking. My name is DC Matthews. At the DC Matthews, I bet you know that I just cracked an aha blueberry pomegranate seltzer, and you'd be right if that's what you thought. Uh, Though, considering the day in which I am recording this, um, I also wouldn't necessarily blame you if you thought I was cracking something a little stronger. I'm recording this on Friday, June 24th. Uh, 11 years ago to the day I was right at this time, it's 6 p.m., right around this time, 11 years ago to the day, uh, I was having a rehearsal dinner. I was going to get married the next day. And uh, we had ourselves a rehearsal dinner, lovely little place, sadly not open anymore, otherwise I'd take my wife from time to time to celebrate our rehearsal dinner. Delicious food, lovely company. I remember very little of it. Um, I remember I was going to, I gave out ties um, to my groomsmen, of which Doc Manson was one, of which GQ was one, of which Tall Guy was one, and with our friend Brian and my brother-in-law rounded out the, the quintet of groomsmen. <clears throat> And I had bought them all ties. We didn't ask them to get suits. This was an informal outdoor. We got married in a lovely barn at the camp that I spent uh, every summer from age six or seven to mid-twenties. So we didn't expect them to be, you know, super formal. It was white shirt, black pants. Um, But I had bought them a tie. And I had bought them all ties, and I had bought a tie for my uh, father-in-law and for my father to wear. And uh, I presented them, and my father looked horror-stricken because he wasn't planning on wearing um, a button-up shirt. He was going to wear essentially like a turtleneck-ish item uh, under a sports coat. Um, He looked great at the ceremony, by the way, but he got very scared and, you know, immediately, I think he took it from me, immediately went to my mom, panicked, um, and she came over to me afterwards and she was like, I wish we had known about the tie. And I was like, I don't care. He doesn't have to wear a tie if he doesn't want to. Um, You know, I think I took the tie and wound up giving it uh, to somebody else. You know, I don't remember if, did I not? I feel like I gave the tie to somebody else. I didn't keep it. I don't think I own a tie anymore. I don't own a tie. Um, actually, that's not true. I have one Superman tie in the closet in my classroom. Um, I own no other ties. Um, I don't haven't bought a pair of dress pants in probably six or seven years. Um, and I haven't worn a long sleeve button up. Well, no. I haven't worn a long sleeve button up shirt that's not like a light flannel shirt in a very long. I'm not a formal person. Anyways. Um, that was 11 years ago, and today, here in America, our Supreme Court decides, hey, let's uh, set women back 50 or so years. 
Um, we've been trying to stay off of the uh, news sites. Uh, my wife is the type who, if she spent too much time reading this, we'd be out finding a protest somewhere. And while I am sure we'll get there, happily, um, she's choosing to not get angry yet. But by God, you got to get angry. I remember being in high school. I remember sophomore year. I also have some ice cream. I was going to talk about that to open the show, but we'll save that. Uh, you may never know what ice cream this is. Sophomore year of high school, I take uh, probably U.S. history, I think was the course, um, taught by a, an amazing writer and teacher and playwright. Um, I won't use his name because it would give away far too much information, uh, but he was a wonderful man. And... You know, one of the first things we do is we read Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States, <clears throat> and we read the chapter about Columbus and the Taino Indians. And it broke my brain, as I think it did for many of us who grew up in uh, American schools reading American history. Because, of course, we always know, wrestling fans especially, that history is written by the victors. And so, you know, in elementary school, we celebrated Columbus Day. We did, you know, some of us were pilgrims, some of us were Indians. We were trading things. We turned this jungle gym into, um, you know, one of the either Nina the Pinter or the Santa Maria. Like, we, you know, we did a whole thing there. Maybe it was the Mayflower, actually. Doesn't matter. Um, and it broke my brain as a sophomore in spilled ice cream on my shirt, uh, in high school, uh, to think that, A, you know, I could have been so wrong about Christopher Columbus, um, and B, that, you know, such an incredibly heinous act could have happened, um, and people seemed to be fine with it. How much has that appeared in history? 1945, a bomb is dropped on Hiroshima. A bomb is dropped on Nagasaki. And seemingly, again, if you read your history books, um, you know, people are fine with it. We agree it should never happen again, but people are fine with it. Slavery, civil rights, well, women, you know, the women, women being unable to vote till 1920, the list goes on and on and on. You ask yourself, what kind of world must we have been living in at that time where such heinous things could happen to a group of people and seemingly the, you know, the rest of those people just sort of stand by. Well, we can't say that anymore, can we? We can't say that anymore because we're not passing 
serious gun control legislation in this country. Uh, maybe we'll pass something this week. We, we'll, we'll get at least something through, but it's not going to be real serious gun reform. So we're telling people, children especially, but all people, um, that your life could be in danger any time you leave the house or maybe even when you don't leave the house um, because it's more important for people to have the freedom to hold weapons meant to take people's lives. That right is more important than your right to live. And we're telling women now that it's more important now, talk about the hypocrisy. Now, these same people, most of these people are the same people. My freedom to have a gun is more important than your right to live and your right to be safe. And then I'm going to turn around and say to a woman, well, but that child inside of you, however it got there, that child's right to live is more important than your right to choose what happens to your body. And we're not taking it. We're mad. And we're going to do something. And hopefully we have faith that this country is trending in a positive direction. But after the last few years, it's very hard to do that. It's very hard to do that when people are storming the Capitol and coming within feet of hanging, um, you know, incredibly powerful politicians when we're doing all of this stuff. And it can make you crazy, and it probably should make you crazy. Actually, the fact that we are choosing, and I'm going to get into a stupid fantasy lethal lottery podcast, but the fact that we're choosing to essentially plug our ears to the horror and seek distraction is probably the wrong thing to do. We should be so angry about these things. And I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, and I'm not going to tell you what decisions to make. If you believe that every life is precious and that, you know, if, I've been told, I've been asked by my wife not to get deeply into politics, but if you believe that abortion should be illegal in all cases, I, I have a problem with that. If you believe that there are certain cases in which abortion should be illegal and, you know, <clears throat> if the mother is guaranteed to be healthy and, you know, will give up her child for adoption, I, I still have a problem with that, but less so. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with this, but we should be mad about these things. Oh, I'm not telling you what your politics are. But those of us who are pro-life, no, pro-choice, <laughs> those of us who are pro-choice should be so mad about this that uh, we do nothing else but fight for it. And I suppose what I earlier said when I messed up, those of you who are pro-life, you probably should be doing the same thing. If I'm being honest, you probably should be doing the same thing. If you believe that life begins at conception, then you should be fighting. And let's see who, you know, 
Who wins? I understand this is now a state's issue, but that's, that's not how it's going to be. If that was all it was, if all it was was, okay, these are the states that are in favor, these are the states that are not, we're going to give you a year and we're going to make it very easy financially for you to move to the state you want to live in. We can do that for all politics. Florida is pro-life, uh, pro-guns, uh, anti-gay, you know, lesbian, trans rights. And anyone who feels that way can move to Florida or Texas or Georgia or, sorry, Jeremy, Louisiana. If you're anti-vax, you can go move to these places. And those of you who are pro-choice and pro-gun reform and pro-all of that, you can move to the other states. And then at that point, we should just become different countries. I'm rambling. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But we hope it gets better. You have to. You have to hope it's going to get better. We have to hope that these are the last gasps of a dying breed. That the, the balance of power is shifting. And that has scared enough people that they feel like they have to do these things now before they are the minority. Because that's what's going to happen if it hasn't happened already. Old, rich, white men are going to become the minority. Caucasians in general will eventually become the minority. And the world will change and the country will change. And so I think there are some people who are so scared of that that they feel like they have to make all of these big changes now um, while they still can. But it's, you know, we're 15 minutes in or so, and it's a bad day. It's a bad day. Had a lovely morning with my wife, went to a little family reunion with some of my family, um, saw, met a uh, uh, toddler that because of COVID I had never met before, uh, a cousin once removed or something like that. I think I referenced this um, on DDT Wrestling. It was a couple of days ago uh, for me. It'll be a couple of weeks ago for you. <clears throat> you know, hung out with some cool kids, lost at Connect Four many times to a very cool 10-year-old, 9 or 10-year-old, don't remember his age. Uh you know, and then came home and just got depressed. Um, so I should be mad and I should be fighting. And I should be donating to every uh, pro-choice, pro-gun reform cause uh, that I can afford. Um, and I should be, you know, I live in a, you know, Chris Murphy and Richard Blumenthal, I think, are our state senators. They're screaming their heads off. Um but I should be doing more. And I, maybe this summer I will challenge myself to do more, even if it is just to open my wallet and give a couple hundred dollars to uh, some causes that can do good things with it. But while we shouldn't do it, while we should be mad, and you can't stay mad all the time. You'll go crazy. You'll lose your mind. Um, so we need to seek distraction and uh, stupidity and frivolity uh, where we can. So, 16 minutes into the podcast, uh, let's let's talk about something utterly meaningless, and that is this tournament. 
Lethal Lottery, 90s Lethal Lottery. Uh, we're into the third round. There are 32 teams left. Uh, all the other teams have been accounted for. There are only 32 teams left. Um, you know, not huge criteria here. It's kind of a who do I like more. Um, I should consider some amount of how well they would work together, but it's not necessarily something we would know. I, I should consider whether the gimmicks would work together or if there's an angle there, you know, that would make them uh, a better aligned team. But either way, uh, 32 teams left. I'm ready. I hope you're ready. Uh, let's begin. Page one, uh, Kidman and Bubba Ray Dudley taking on Buff Bagwell and Booker T. Billy and Bubba versus Buff and Booker. My alliterative self is over the moon with this one. Uh, we could consider, just spitballing here, we could consider the quality of competition. Uh, Bubba Ray and Billy Kidman beat Brutus Beefcake and the Giant Gonzalez. An entertaining team, but not necessarily a great one. And then Skip and Spike Dudley, which is, I would say, a higher caliber of competition in a tag team sense. Uh, Buff Bagwell and Booker T beat Stan Hansen and Blitzkrieg which was a weird team from the jump, and then Al Snow and PN News. So not with the exception, you know, Stan Hansen, obviously great. Many people love Beefcake. Not elite competition in terms of the, the teams here. Uh, <clears throat> of the four, who is my favorite? I, it's probably Kidman. Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, you know, we talked about this in the tag team tournament last year. Uh, with his comments on Moxley, or may no, maybe it was Hoss fight. Maybe it was Hoss fight. Uh, I've I've kind of given up on that. Bubba's hit or miss. Um, heel Bubba Ray in ECW. Um, you know the the stuttering the original one, not great. Once he became an actual heel, and he and Devon were like the heeliest heels to have ever healed. Much better. Um, him in WWF slash E has been good. Uh, I'm kind of liking, you know, I'm in 2002. It was either podcast or watch some of that. I chose you over, uh, I'm going to watch the raw I'm about to watch has the worst match I've ever seen. Uh, do I still have the card up? I have the cards from cage match, so I know what to watch and what to skip over. I want to make sure I get all the names right, but I saw it on the list and was just so happy that it was going to come up. This is July 8th, 2002. I'm living 20 years or so in the past. I did have that thought that I could actually start lining it up and really living 20 years in the past, but that just sounds like a lot of work. Uh, Bradshaw and Trish Stratus are going to take on Chris Nowinski and Jackie Gata. I believe that is the match where JR can't even uh, make it better. Like, he can't even call it and make it better. He just has to say, this match sucks, everybody, essentially. Um, I need to pick a winner. And I think it's going to be Kidman and Bubba. Uh, Buff Bagwell, I'm loving his redemption story in 2022, but... Buff was annoying and kind of icky for a long, long time. Uh, I do like Booker T enough, but I'm going with Kidman and Bubba here. The next matchup on this page is a tricky, tricky one. Diamond Dallas Page and Sid taking on Razor Ramon 
and Rhino. So this is Scott Hall and Rhino versus DDP and Sid. Um, of the four, who is my favorite? It is Razor. You know, Kid DC loved Razor Ramon. Second place would be Sid. Um, and then probably Rhino. I was never a huge DDP guy. Um, you know, when you go back and watch, you realize how great it would have been for the uh, working class hero DDP to get a chance in the WWF um, after the buyout. You know, Page versus Austin would have been really good. Uh, it's a shame that didn't happen and we got the weird stalker thing with The Undertaker. Um, so, I'll, you know, if I had to go with it, Razor and Rhino win in terms of those matchups. But I like that DDP-Sid combination. I don't really know why, but I like it. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to leave the alliteration of Razor and Rhino. And our page one final is Kidman and Bubba versus DDP and Sid. Page two. This is an easy one. Uh, Taz and Dean Malenko, we know they're going to go very, very far in this tournament. Uh, taking on Crush and Michael P.S. Hayes. That's a great team. Don't get me wrong. Crush and Michael P.S. Hayes is a very, very good team. But Taz and Malenko are one of the clear... I won't say number one seeds, but they're going to be in my probably top four favorites. I'll leave it open as to how far they go in the tournament. I don't want to say anything and you know potentially be wrong. But Taz and Malenko are going to beat Crush and Hayes for sure. This next one's tough. Rey Mysterio and the Great Muda. I like the mask face paint thing. Uh, Muda wore a mask, I'm pretty sure, for a little while. Taking on Yokozuna and Sabu. So matchup-wise... Muda and Mysterio, what are you going to do against Yokozuna? The, you don't have the big man there. You know, Crush and Michael Hayes, you have someone who maybe can't slam Yokozuna, but can at least, um, you know, at least knock him off his feet. Crush, I would assume Brian Adams could have knocked Yoko off his feet if they weren't allies uh, back in the 90s. Um you know, how I would book this is you have to think that, you know, so Yoko's doing his traditional salt ceremony with Mr. Fuji, and maybe Muda goes over. They're both, quote, unquote, Japanese. Remember when that, another, you know, childhood lie broken when I realized that uh, Yokozuna was not Japanese? Um you know, I grew up a very sheltered kid. You got to remember that. Uh, goes for the salt ceremony. Yoko throws it, offers some salt to um, Muda. Muda bows, but then misses him in the face. <laughs> and because then you take Yoko out of the equation, because now Yoko's got, he's been blinded by the mist. Maybe Rey Mysterio, maybe he staggers, falls, drops to a knee. Mysterio hits him with a 619, which is not going to do anything really crazy to. Yoko, but you could imagine a world in which some sort of variation of a 619 knocks um, Yoko out of the ring. He's there for a while. It's going to take him a while to get up. Maybe Miz and Mysterio could capitalize. Miz and Mysterio. Muda and Mysterio could capitalize. I'm going to give it to them. I like that team a lot. 
I like the potential of a Taz and Dean Malenko versus Mysterio and Muda final. Um, what will happen with our losing teams? We're going to do the same thing, I think. Uh, they'll face each other. Winners will move into one bracket. Losers will move into another. We'll re-randomize. We'll get some more crazy tag teams. Page three. Uh, David Taylor and Paul Orndorff. Great team. But they're taking on uh, HBK and Quang. Because it's not going to be Savio Vega. Can I tell you how funny it is? Uh, MLW Battle Riot. I'm... I'm Stop watching Major League Wrestling. Uh, pretty sure anybody else listening to this has also stopped watching Major League Wrestling. But I did watch Battle Riot 3 from 2021, which is their Royal Rumble. And we get in that one, at number 14, Savio Vega comes out. Which is cool. He's a, you know, he's a return. He's a, he's a quote-unquote legend, um, he gets eliminated, and then at number 37, Quang comes out, and it was amazing. That was the greatest moment, I think, of that match, that card. That match, for sure, was seeing Quang in 2021. But then they run it back and do it again. Like, Quang comes out at 16 in 2022, gets eliminated, and then Savio Vega comes out at 38. I don't know why you would run that back. It's not going to be as good. That, to me, is a one-time deal. Either way, the point I'm making is HBK and Quang win. Apologies to uh, Orndorff and David Taylor. Uh, this next one's going to crack me up here because we've got the Giant and Van Big Van Vader. Awesome. Uber Haas team. I love it. They're taking on Terry Taylor and Steve Williams. Now, to remind you, Terry Taylor and Steve Williams lost. Let me find it. They lost to Taz and Dean Malenko in the first round. But I love that team so much that I did a little bit of chicanery and they took out some people and made it into the second round. They then lost to Rey Mysterio and the Great Muda <clears throat> in the second round. And then there was some more chicanery and they wound up advancing to the third round because they took out uh, Jimmy Garvin and the Honky Tonk Man and Brian Christopher and La Parca. So they, have, they are technically 0 for 2, but still in the third round. And they can't beat the Giant and Vader. They just can't. So now the question is, I'm allowed some chicanery. <clears throat> Will I get another matchup that is so hum, ho-hum that I do it again? I don't know. We're in the third round. The teams have to be pretty good, but... Stranger things have happened. Uh, so I will keep Terry Taylor and Dr. Death in the back of my mind uh, in case they happen to make it to the page finals, despite now being 0 for 3. I suppose technically they would have won those matches after taking somebody out, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, you want to talk about some chicanery that I should be doing here. Randy Savage and Mr. Perfect. 
a fantastic team by any stretch of the imagination. Taking on Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes. We must have mentioned it in the last episode where we did this tournament proper. But come on. How much money would you pay to watch those four wrestle each other? Randy Savage and Mr. Perfect versus Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes. This could be a, a, a semifinal of the entire tournament. And nobody would complain. Nobody would blink. Nobody would look sideways at that. Um... I have to pick a winner. It has to be Savage and Mr. Perfect. That team is just too good. Um, but now the question is, if I do find uh, a matchup that I don't like, do I put Terry Taylor and Dr. Death in there? Or do you do Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes? Which team is more deserving? Taylor and Williams had a lot of chances. Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes... Kind of, if not. Savage and Perfect Advance. Kurgan and Amish Roadkill. I love this team. They could easily be replaced. Uh, but they're taking on Kevin Sullivan and Nikita Koloff. I can't replace that team. That team is too good. That team easily advances. Uh, hurrah to you, Roadkill. You made it into the third round. You didn't beat any incredibly amazing teams, but you at least made it to the third round. Uh, you'll beat Kurgan at least. So your story will continue to trend onward and upward. Savage and Perfect versus the Taskmaster and Nikita Koloff in the page final. Uh, Tom Zenk and IRS versus Lex Luger and Val Venus. Well, okay. This is one matchup where I don't care, but I love Mike Rotunda. He's great. Uh, I have a respect for Tom Zank. I'm not super familiar with his work, but we all know he was one of my action figures I used the most. Lex Luger, don't really care for. Val Venus, honestly don't really care for. Uh, so I am going to use a little bit of chicanery here to give Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes the spot. They're going to advance. They need another shot here. Maybe in the next couple of pages, there'll be one more for Taylor and Williams. Or maybe not. Maybe this will be my one piece of chicanery. <clears throat> next up, tough one, tough one, tough one. Ricky Steamboat and Taka Mishinoku. Lovely team. I think that team is excellent. Goldberg and Ted DiBiase. Fantastic team. You want to get, again, this is a 90s lethal lottery, so I want... Goldberg, right out of his peak, you know, he's just beat Hogan for the title. I want DiBiase. The 90s weren't DiBiase. DiBiase was an 80s guy, but early DiBiase, before Money, Inc., before he was injured enough to kind of need to be on the sidelines, um, you know, kind of right, right during his feud with Virgil, I suppose, is probably peak 90s. Uh, DiBiase, and we'll go with that. Goldberg and DiBiase will win. <coughs> Excuse me. Tough luck to Steamboat and Taka, especially since, um, again, in if some of these other teams didn't exist, maybe that's a team I'd try to be chicanerous for, uh, but I can't. Not in this tournament. 
Hacksaw Jim Duggan, or Dugan, as Bill Watts annoyingly calls him in 83 Mid-Atlantic, or Mid-South, teaming with The Undertaker to take on Brian Pillman and Scott Norton. I apologize to The Undertaker, but of these four, while Taker is my favorite of the group... Pillman and Norton are easily two and three, and then there is a long way to go before we get to Duggan. So I am giving the win to Pillman and Norton. That means that Undertaker will wrestle Jim Duggan and beat him, and then hopefully, I'm calling my shot, hopefully, I want Undertaker to team with Amish Roadkill. If that happens, and I will not try, I won't be chicanerous for that one. If that happens... I will find a way to insert. They will. Have, they might get advanced all the way to the final. They might be the Goro Shang Tsung secret boss. Whoever wins the final matchup of this tournament then has to face Undertaker and Amish Roadkill. Pillman and Norton win. The Barbarian and Arn Anderson, great team. Mister Hughes and Tom Pritchard, good team. Uh, and in this tournament, great, as it so often does. Beats good. The Barbarian and Arn Anderson versus Scott Norton and Brian Pillman. I'd watch that match every day. Especially if, you know, I love the character of Loose Cannon Brian Pillman, but you got to go with Flying Brian for this tournament, don't you? He was just such a much better athlete. He wasn't injured. You know, he was a much better wrestler, wrestler uh, in that era. So that'd be a fun match. All right, Taylor and Williams, I know you're still out there. We've only got a couple pages left. We'll see what we can do. It's not going to happen here. Owen Hart and Tajiri taking on Robert Gibson of the Rock and Roll Express and Diesel. They had a good run, but Owen and Tajiri, again, one of the top teams, I think, in this whole tournament. They're going to get the win. And then... Hold on. Let me skim the page eight. Is there a better one? No. No. All right. We're going to do it here. Apologies to Phil LaFon and Edge. Sorry, Team Canada. You're a good team. Apologies to Sergeant Slaughter and Bobby Eaton. Totally an 80s territory team. Both very good. But I will put in here, it'll happen again. Dr. Death and Terry Taylor are going to take out LaFon and Edge. That's the only way this makes sense have a barn burner of a match with Slaughter and Eaton, and get the win. So Taylor and Williams have made it to the page final, losing all of their original matches and just sneaking in, because there's, there's no law. There is no law in this tournament. No management at all. Uh, but now we get Owen and Tajiri versus Taylor and Williams. I gotta say, I think they're gonna go 0 for 4. I really think they will. Last page. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about this. Brad Armstrong and Eddie Guerrero will defeat Norman Smiley and Skinner. Would be an awesome match. Fantastic, excellent wrestling match. Uh, Brad and Eddie are the right choice. And then our final matchup here, the ringer of a team of Animal and Scotty Steiner. You got half the Legion of Doom. You got half the Steiner brothers. They're easily going to be Adam Bob and Farouk and advance to take on Brad and Eddie in a huge clash of styles but again would be a fantastic matchup so our final our page final matchups let's review shall we Kidman and Bubba Ray versus DDP and Sid 
Good match. Taz and Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio and the Great Muda. Awesome match. HBK and Quang versus Giant and Vader. Hilarious match. Randy Savage and Mr. Perfect versus Kevin Sullivan and Nikita Koloff. Excellent match. Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes versus Goldberg and Ted DiBiase. Entertaining. Pillman and Norton versus Barbarian and Arn. Uh, two hosses and two great actual wrestlers. Can't go wrong. Owen Hart and Tajiri versus Terry Taylor and Steve Williams. Sure. Looks good. And then Brad Armstrong and Eddie Guerrero versus Animal and Scott Steiner. I did say back in the day, and by the day I mean maybe last episode or so, I did say that um, I wanted to get this tournament done. I still want to give it the, the love it deserves, but I also want to be able to move on, and I do tend to get lost with some of these, although now that it's summer, that probably won't happen. But I'm at least going to go through now, because I spent 15 minutes talking about serious, the world's just crap right now. I want to give you at least 30 minutes of wrestling content. So let's go to those who just lost. Those tag teams, as always is the case, must wrestle each other. Uh, winners will go in one bracket, losers will go in another, we'll make some more teams. Booker T will defeat Buffy Bagwell. Razor Ramon will defeat Rhino, not Razor Ramen. That's a different wrestler. Uh, Crush will defeat Michael P.S. Hayes. My tournament, I do what I want. Yokozuna will defeat Sabu. We can get a Rhino and Sabu, all ECW matchup here. Uh, Paul Orndorff will defeat Squire Dave Taylor. Um, Dr. Death and Steve and Terry Taylor have snuck through, so we turn the page. Uh, Amish Roadkill will defeat Kurgan. Um, IRS will defeat Tom Zank. Ricky Steamboat beats Takamishinoku in what would be a fantastic matchup. Shum, shum. Oh, wait. I missed one. Uh, I will say Lex Luger will beat Val Venus. I still don't love Lex Luger, but he's got to beat Val Venus. Undertaker beats Jim Duggan. Come on, Undertaker Roadkill. Give me what I want. Tom Pritchard beats Mr. Hughes. Tom Pritchard, very underrated wrestler. Then we've got, I'm having Diesel beat Robert Gibson. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it's a 90s tournament. Uh, Edge. Actually, no. If it's a 90s tournament, Phil LaFon should beat Edge. So let's go with that. Phil LaFon's going to beat Edge. Bobby Eaton's going to defeat Sergeant Slaughter. Hopefully he teams with Jim Duggan. We get our 90s patriotism team there. Uh, Norman Smiley beats Skinner, no question. And then Farouk beats Adam Baum. So we have 16 winners, 16 losers. Uh, in our next, no, 
screw it. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Because uh, it won't take that long and I want to, I don't want to start the next round of the tournament proper uh, midway through. I want to give that the, the love it deserves in a, um, its own bracket. So we're taking our losers here. And you know what? I don't even need to put this in the notebook. I'm not even going to write it down. We'll just do it. We'll do it on the, on the Google spreadsheet. Robert Gibson and Val Venus. So one half of the Rock and Roll Express and the wrestling porn star taking on Taka Mishinoku and Edge. Taka and Edge will win that match. Sabu and Dave Taylor, interesting team, taking on Mr. Hughes and Buff Bagwell. I could very easily see a world in which Buff Bagwell gets a bodyguard. Like, that story makes a lot of sense. Uh, much more than a story in which Sabu teams with Dave Taylor for some reason. So, for the storyline aspect, let's go with Hughes and Bagwell. Michael Hayes teaming with Sergeant Slaughter. We were so close. Hayes teaming with Slaughter. Jim Duggan teaming with Rhino. I think, you know, I if I'm doing this, Hayes and Slaughter are the heels. And I kind of like that team. So we're going with Hayes and Slaughter. And then Tom Zank teaming with Kurgan. Taking on Adam Baum and Skinner. So two solid wrestlers in Tom Zank and Steve Kern teaming with two larger hosses who were not great wrestlers in Kurgan and Adam Baum. And I got to go here with the great 90s gimmicks of the Alligator Man and the man from Three Mile Island. We're not going to do consolations here. We're just moving on. Taka and Edge will defeat uh, Mr. Hughes and Buff Bagwell. And again, I'm a 90s kid. I'm giving Adam Baum and Skinner the win over Michael Hayes and Sergeant Slaughter. I can see some of you old school fans in my head just shaking your heads in disgust. I'm sorry. Uh, and Taka Mashinoku and Edge are going to win this little mini tournament. These are the people who what, won their first two match, three matchups? One, two, yeah. Won their first three, lost the fourth one. All right, here we go. I am calling upon the fates. I am calling upon those spirits, those deities, those beings, those forces of nature that have looked after me for all of these seasons, and I'm calling upon you, please, please give me Undertaker and Amish Roadkill. That's all I want. Give me Undertaker and Amish Roadkill. I'm even leaving it redacted in the hopes that it just, it just works out better that way. Tom Pritchard and Diesel. I like that team. Tom Pritchard could play that sort of heart. You know, you could see a world. There's an alternate universe out there in which Shawn Michaels either gets injured or something, you know, somehow his career gets sideways. He goes to WCW maybe. Um, and Tom Pritchard is the one that gets Diesel as a bodyguard. Taking on Razor Ramon and Norman Smiley. So we get Razor versus Diesel, which is fun. Hall versus Nash. 
Smiley and Pritchard, both excellent wrestlers. Uh, the the fact that I can't find a great way to tie Razor and Smiley together means the winners have to be Pritchard and Diesel. I think that makes the most sense. We could have had the Outsiders, but I didn't ask the fates for that. Undertaker. Okay. I, I can't do the probability, but the odds are okay that the next name is Amish Roadkill. Undertaker teaming with Farouk. I didn't get what I wanted, but what I did get is Ministry of Darkness, and I will take that as a consolation prize. Undertaker and Farouk were a part of a stable, which is rare that we get that, so I will take it. Teaming against Bobby Eaton and Booker T. I like that team a lot. Tag team specialists, both of them. Um, you know, I... Do I want to do the math? Sure. Let's do the math real quick. Bobby Eaton, how many tag titles did Bobby Eaton hold uh, in his career? Tag teams. And I want, we'll go with big-time titles. Uh, two, three-time U.S. tag team champion, three-time world champion. So that's six. I'll count, no, I'm not counting the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, do you count the Mid-Atlantic times up? Sure, seven. AWA, four, that's 11. Um, Mid-South Tag Champions twice, that's 13. All right, so we're 13 or 14-time Tag Champion, at least in terms of major titles. Then we look up Booker T. Booker T is a, let's check his championship, Accomplishments. Um, TNA tag team title once WCW tag team champions 10 times that's 11 three time world tag team champion one time WCW champion so that's again 15 so both of them close to 15 time tag title holders but I like that Undertaker and Farouk team quite a lot so despite the fact that I just spent two minutes counting their titles, uh, they lose to The Undertaker and Farouk. Taking on Diesel and Tom Pritchard. I like that. Amish Roadkill teaming with Crush. You know, it's not what I wanted, but I'm going full Kona Crush here. Purple, orange, singlet, and Amish Roadkill. That's a hilarious tag team. Taking on Paul Orndorff and Phil Lafon. You know what? From a wrestling standpoint, Orndorff and Lafon, I'm giving the win to them. Now that Roadkill's not, you know. You made it a long time there, baby. You know I love you. And then finally, Ricky Steamboat and Yokozuna. I love this team. Taking on IRS and Lex Luger. Perfectly good team, but Steamboat and Yoko easily taking that. We do get, however, Lex Luger versus... Uh, Yokozuna, kind of a rehash of the Lex Express. Undertaker and Farouk are going to beat uh, Tom Pritchard and Diesel. Ricky Steamboat and Yokozuna are going to beat uh, Paul Orndorff and Phil Lafon. So we get Undertaker and Farouk versus Steamboat and Yokozuna. We get Undertaker and Yoko, a rehashing of their feud. Um, Steamboat's great. Farouk's great. I don't think they ever... Had, you know, a huge feud against each other. 
I bet Farouk could body slam Yokozuna. I bet he could. I bet he could do it. Ron Simmons is a big, strong boy. Uh, and I'm giving the win to that Ministry of Darkness team of Undertaker and Farouk. We're down to 16 teams, friends. I will rewrite these teams on a different page. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to finish this in the next episode. This tournament will be put to bed in our next episode. I don't think it's going to be a perfect bracket number, and I don't care because it's going to be a heck of a time. Um, I hope you're well. I hope those you love are doing well. Um, I hope you are uh, angry about the state of the world, um, and I hope that we can figure out something to do to make it a better place. Uh, and sometimes in order to do that, you got to do some fantasy booking. You got to let the brain settle and, and do some fantasy booking. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you next time. We'll finish the lethal lottery and we'll go into the next one. It's still, I still, I think I know what I'm doing, but I'm not quite sure yet. We'll figure it out together. I'm DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. I'll see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking.